going to happen. There are a mix of people in the room. Some of you uh, are those that have lived in Milton Keynes historically, um, which is great. Some of you um, are based with us here in Northampton, uh, and some of you are new to the area. And so there's a real mix and dynamic of different people uh, in the room. Um, I guess this evening for us, uh, we just wanted to take a moment to just share a little bit of the journey that we've been on that's kind of led us to this point, but also um, you're going to hear us talk about this thing called a launch team quite regularly, and um, I guess we want to try and define what we mean by launch team. So that's kind of the, the agenda for tonight. Um, it's probably a small enough group um, for us to have some interaction. Um, but for the time being, just going to encourage you to keep your microphones muted. Um, and uh, we, we're just going to share some stuff that probably going to take about half an hour. Famous last words, 40 minutes. And, um, and then um, we will um, perhaps create some space to just have a discussion or if there was any questions or anything like that. If you do want to fire any questions during this time, then send it to um, the tech, uh, the tech PC, mm -hmm. um, and um, we'll make sure you've got your questions uh, get filtered through. Um, only worthy questions will make it. No. <laughs> um, sorry, but yeah. So welcome everybody to uh, what is the first um, Garden City Vision Night. Uh, Many of you we've met in different capacities. So some of you, uh, we've had coffee. Uh, some of us have swapped messages online. Um, many of you um, we know because you're very much part of Central Vineyard. And so it's great to have you with us as well. Um, tonight is um, a series, I guess, of events that we would like to host. Um, that, that, that really is just our way of trying to kind of gather um, some people who may want to be part of this process of seeing this new church launched. And so, uh, as I say, we're going to use that term launch team quite a bit. And I'm conscious that that might be um, a, a new word to you. Um, it is an intentional word. Uh, we're not and it's kind of it kind of says what we're trying not to do as much as what we we're trying to do and so we're not trying to build a leadership team uh we're not trying to build a core team this is a launch team uh, and the purpose of a launch team is to help the church get launched and so uh it's not a team that will go on forever uh, because eventually um you know we will move into a different phase uh, as a church plant and, and so that language of launch is just really helpful because it helps us establish um, uh, the role that those who may find themselves part of this team, the kind of role that they will be playing. Um, church planting is um, ex an exciting adventure and a challenging prospect. And actually, um, you know, the intentional steps that we take in this launch phase 
will shape the kind of church community we eventually establish. That's um, that's the reality. Um, and it's also in this launch phase where it feels like um, we, we're going to exert the most energy uh, in order to get the church off the ground. It's, it's kind of like trying to get a rocket in orbit. Um, you know, all the energy goes into the launch. Um, once the rocket is, is in space, it kind of it, it, it survives on its own sense of momentum. And, and that's kind of what church planting is like, particularly in this front end, as we try and launch things, there's going to be a lot of energy going into this initial phase to kind of get this thing off the ground uh, in the hope that we can plant a church that is um, healthy and sustainable uh, for the future. And so um, I guess the question that we're trying to address tonight is, is what does it mean to join in with this launch process? Uh, and essentially, um, what, you know, what 10 things do you need to know up front? Um, you know, what 10 things can we tell you uh, that you could possibly expect uh, in this process? Um, what 10 things um, might you experience as we move along? Um, what 10 things might you want to know um, as we get ready uh, to launch this church? It, obviously, it does feel really strange. We're coming out of a, the weirdest season of our lives. And so um, doing this in this format is kind of strange. I know we would have way preferred doing it face to face. Um, but the reality is, is I think I might have COVID. So, um, um, so um, unfortunately, we are doing it like this tonight. Um, so 10 things that you need to know up front about the launch of this church plant. Uh, the first you might want to know about is, is what got us here? Why are we here? Why do we feel now at the end of a, this strange season of our lives? Why do we think now is the time to plant this church? And I guess for us, the story starts a couple of years ago. Um, at the end of 2019, uh, Tammy and I got to celebrate two significant uh, anniversaries. Uh, so at the end of 2019, we got to celebrate 20 years of marriage. Um, Oop. Um, and then at the beginning of um, 2020, we also got to celebrate 20 years of being in ministry together. Uh, and so for much of our adult lives and most of and all of our married life, we have um, been involved in in pastoral ministry and so on for mostly church planting. And, and so we kind of, I guess, for us unwittingly kind of reached a bit of a to use a sports analogy we kind of hit a bit of a half-time moment um, in our life and and marriage and ministry and all of those things we kind of hit this 20-year mark and um, you know you you don't hit a, an anniversary like that without perhaps being reflective and so you know some of the questions that we found ourselves uh, stirring in our hearts was like well obviously the last 20 years there's been some amazing things to celebrate you know we um, God has given us the privilege of being involved in planting um, a few other churches um, we've got three amazing daughters who um, 
seem to be doing amazingly despite us and and all of those sorts of things and um, and so we had lots to look back in the, over the last 20 years and be grateful for but I guess the stirring question in our heart was what might the next 20 years look like um, you know if we get to serve Jesus uh, for the next 20 years how would he have us serve him and so we just began to I guess for us go on a bit of a discerning journey and just began to ask ourselves some searching questions like what 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 would you have us do Lord uh, and I guess we found ourselves in a place where we were open to whatever God wanted to say uh, and whatever he might want to reveal to us in that time and so um back at the start of 2020 which was pre-covid um we we, we are going to define our lives like that from now on aren't we pre-covid post-covid but um pre-covid at the beginning of 2020 um i happened to find myself in milton Keynes, and um, i think i was in a meeting or something like that and um and Tammy messaged me and said, would I go to Central Milton Keynes and pick up some Nespresso coffee pods? Uh, so the more the more you get to know us, the, the more you'll know that coffee uh, plays an essential role in our lives. But um, um, and so there I am walking around Central Milton Keynes aimlessly because I always get lost there and I refuse to look at a map. Um, but I'm walking around Central Milton Keynes looking for this Nespresso kiosk and as I'm walking around um, I just sense the Lord speak to me in a very kind of real way um, I'm not sure it was an audible voice but it was probably the closest I've experienced to God speaking audibly and I just we just felt God I just felt God say to me there's an assignment here for you and um, and and hearing those words walk, walking around the city I just I just felt myself being quite overcome and, um, you know, I had to go and sit down somewhere and I, I text Tammy and I said, you know, I haven't got your coffee yet, but I've had this kind of weird encounter with God as I'm walking around Milton Keynes and um, I'm sure Tammy thought I was mad. Well, um, I always just thought the assignment was to get coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but Tammy's response to me was a very godly one. She said, well, if this is God, I'm going to need a burning bush and um and so and so we kind of just in many ways we put it down to just me having a weird experience you know just this kind of this weird encounter with God in Milton Keynes you know it must have been the ley lines or something like that um as we walked around the city but um um just before lockdown so when was that March 2020 just before lockdown a friend of ours uh, rocks up at our house and um, this guy he lives in the uh, the northwest of the country and um, he's, he's quite a prophetic guy he um, he's one of these guys that you know he kind of reads your mail and just uh, can tell you all sorts of things um, and you wonder how that happens and um, but anyway he came to visit us and um, he he came and he said I, he had a dream that he wanted to share that he had had about Tammy and I and so in this dream he um he found himself standing over um the UK and as he stood over the UK he, he began to get drawn into Northampton where we are now 
and uh, and then so he said suddenly he was like reading what looked like scrolls you know like in the bible where it talks about the scrolls um he had this kind of imagery of reading scrolls and these scrolls were telling the story of the church that we lead central vineyard in northampton and it was telling the story of all the things that the church had done but also things that were yet to come yet to happen and um and um and he said, you know, there was so much more to come. There was so much more for this church to, to do. But then he said there was a second scroll and it was the scroll and the story of Steve and Tammy. And he said, he, again, he began to read the scrolls and there was lots of things that had happened, but still lots of things to come. And, um, and then he said, but for some reason, the story of Central Vineyard and the story of Steve and Tammy were separating. And he said, and then suddenly he was back standing over the map and, and the story of Stephen's Tammy moved southeast from Northampton along a street called Watling Street. And, and, uh, and so he obviously he didn't know the geography too well, um, but we were quite um, taken back by that, you know, because all of a sudden uh, God was speaking to someone um, and, and directing them and directing us to the very place that we felt God had started to stir something in our hearts. I think that was quite profound for me because in Stephen's role of trying to convince me God had spoken, he'd printed off a map of Milton Keynes, he'd taken a highlighter and he'd highlighted Watling Street and um, said, I think this is the area you know, along Watling Street, along that canal, this is the area God has called us to. And um, I was like, uh-huh, yeah, really expensive. Um, <laughs> and so actually when, when Kevin spoke, um, it was that moment where it was like, okay, this is really real. And it was a bit of excitement and a bit of, oh no. <laughs> yeah. And so this, and so he, he left this with us and then a week later, the world went into lockdown and so it, we kind of went into lockdown and we were sitting on this this kind of sense that God was speaking um and really and then really just spent the whole of lockdown just sort of like okay God um foolishly saying will you confirm that this is your will um and, and so we spent lockdown trying to just really hear from the Lord and actually um you know in a number of different environments as as lockdown and coronavirus carried on the lord continued to speak uh, in lots of different ways and uh, through lots of different people people who are just totally outside of our situation um, and began to speak and so um you know we got to the stage probably at the start of this year thinking if we do not act now then we are being disobedient that the lord has spoken in some clear and concise ways, in ways that we could never have imagined or have never experienced before. And so we've got to this stage where we're just like, okay, God, we're going to be obedient. We're going to be obedient and we're going to do this. And so obviously we began to share with different people uh, what the Lord was saying and stirring um, as we kind of broke the news uh, that this is happening uh, earlier this year. And so this has been a prophetic journey for us. It's been a journey of hearing God and and just being having that sense of assurance that this is what the Lord is saying and doing you know John Wimber one of the 
founders of the vineyard movement often talked about us being like loose change in God's pocket. And uh, he, he will take us out, take that money out of his pocket and spend us how he likes. And we really felt that reality uh, from the Lord as we um, began to imagine what this next season looks like. And so that that might be the first question you've got. Hey, well, you know, what got us here? The second thing you might have and might not want to know about is is um, some things about Milton Keynes. Um, some of you obviously live there. Some of you don't. Uh, some of you are new to the area, but Milton Keynes is a unique city. Um, it's uh, nearly 55 years old. Um, it's the last of those post-war new towns, and it was the only one uh, that was bold enough or had the audacity to call itself a city. Um, as a city, it was built on this mantra um, of the urban designer Melvin Weber. Uh, who, who talks about uh, community without propinquity, where, where this idea that community was defined, wasn't just defined by proximity or, or limited to how we understand traditional neighborhood structures. But he, what he was saying was with the advancement of technology and transport, uh, that actually we could start to build cities that were based on a web of interactions. Um, and so that's what happened uh, with Milton Keynes, this, this, this sprawling um, grid system across northern Buckinghamshire uh, took place, you know, famously for its dual carriageways and roundabouts. And so it, is a, it has a unique look and feel. And in many ways, uh, its residents, um, you know, they kind of use this city in a way that's very different to other cities, particularly in the UK. You know, famously, you can get anywhere in the city in 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, that's, that's, that's the thing. And so uh, with that unique reality also comes um, some, some losses. Um, and, and so there is a sense that, um, you know, some of the, there are some extreme gaps in the city. Uh, between affluence and poverty, uh, where, where the design of the city has perhaps uh, favoured uh, the more well-off and more mobile, and has perhaps discriminated against those who are living in less fortunate circumstances. Uh, one piece of research says that 18% of children in the city live in poverty, uh, another, another said that that could be as much as 32% in some areas. Uh, other reports say that one in four people uh, experience issues of loneliness and isolation. And, and as the city continues to grow um, at an exponential rate, there are a ton of challenges to be addressed around mental health, education, housing. Uh, and yet we believe at the heart of this, the local church can make a difference. And it's, um, and, and you know, the church at its best is there to really play its part in rewriting the story of the city. And we want to try and do that as creatively and as innovatively as we possibly can. If you're interested in understanding more about Milton Keynes, um, then we've we've linked two videos on our website um, put together by the Open University called Understanding Milton Keynes. And um, there's a link uh, there. So gcv.mk forward slash context. Um, so if you want to waste two hours of your life, you can watch that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, thirdly, you might want to know something about our vision. Um, we summarize our vision or mission like this, uh, practicing the way of Jesus together for the renewal of the city. And so there's these three strands to our vision. Firstly, we are practicing the way of Jesus. Our goal is to be apprentices of Jesus, where we're learning to order our lives around him. And so we want to live that out in three clear ways, um, uh, to be with Jesus, uh, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did or to live our lives as he would live them if he was us uh, and so as we live that way we believe that our lives the communities that we're part of and the city as a whole uh, can be transformed that's the the age-old call of, of Jesus's followers to to live transformed lives for the sake of transformation uh, and so secondly, we want to practice the way of Jesus and we want to do that in community. We want to do it together. Uh, and so we want to look beyond Sunday gatherings or meetings, although those things are important to us. But we want to look towards building community uh, where we're trying to intentionally connect people and families and institutions and businesses to the life-changing reality of Jesus. And we want to do that together. We want to encounter him together in a, in a sense, with a sense of community. And, and we do this, as I say, for the sake of others, for the transformation and for the renewal of the city. Um, you know, I've already shared some challenging realities that Milton Keynes faces as a city. Uh, and, you know, we don't believe we're called just to build a great church. Um, but we believe we're called to play our part in building a great city. Uh, and we believe that if we can do that, we can we cannot just um, shape a city, but we believe we can shape a whole region uh, and, and, and actually create environments where everyone is playing their part in every corner of the city, uh, you know, extending God's kingdom everywhere, every way. And so as we outwork this, um, our strategy is fairly simple. Um, you know, the church has taken lots of forms throughout uh, the ages and um, on a number of occasions throughout the history, the church has reformed. And yet when you look through church history, starting with the book of Acts, um, you know, the, the, the predominant strategy of the church is to be a gathered and scattered community. And so, you know, starting in Acts chapter two, the church gathered in the temple courts and then they scattered in one another's homes and other places across the city uh, as where, where they grew as disciples of Jesus doing life together. And so we think, uh, when we think about our strategy, uh, we wanna do things that enable us to gather as a community and things that propel us to be a, a scattered people as well. And whilst we, we may have some initial ideas about what that might look like, the truth is the canvas is kind of blank. And um, as we continue to gather more people, we are confident that, that some of those rhythms 
of gathering and scattering will begin to take shape for us. You know, we, we don't want to be prescriptive at this stage of our journey. We want to try and see what emerges. And then we also believe, and, and this is one of our core values, uh, we believe in multiplication. And, and in that, we are convinced that we are not called to just put all our energy and resources in this church alone. Instead, we want to see all that can be achieved in one person or in one group or in one place multiplied. And ultimately, we want to do that through planting new churches. And so we're convinced that church planting is one of the most effective ways for us to reach uh, new people uh, in new communities. And so it's our desire right from the outset of planting this church uh, that we would become a church that plants churches uh, across our region and beyond. Okay, uh, number four, you might wanna know what's going to happen. What's gonna happen? What's What's going to happen this year? And so we've got a bit of a timeline for this year. Um, uh, as I say, it's fairly loose. You know, one of the things that I've realised is that strategic planning uh, no longer works. I don't know if you've noticed that, you know, um, you can't you can't write a five year plan anymore because no one actually is in control of anything. You know, um, <laughs> COVID has taught us, doesn't it, that, you know, things can change at a flick of a switch. And so we've just got, you know, kind of four phases that we kind of see coming uh, in this next year. And so autumn 2021, which is apparently now, um, we are in this gathering phase. And, and so our, our hope and our desire is to gather as many people as possible who might be interested in putting their shoulder to the plough and being part of what we are doing. And, and we think that, that by the spring of next year, that we might have gathered enough people uh, with some interest. And so uh, after Easter next year, our plan is to go into this kind of pre-launch phase where we might begin to do some more public things. We might begin to build more of a presence in the city. Uh, and then by next summer, Tammy and I and our girls um, are planning to move. And, and so we wanna, um, we want to be in the city, living in the city uh, by the summer of 2022. And then the, our hope is, is that this time next year, uh, we would be ready to launch uh, officially as a church. And so that plan is kind of a loose plan because things could go faster than we anticipate and things could also go slower than we anticipate and and so we want to remain flexible um we're not you know we're not going to kind of just like set this in stone and we're going to do this regardless uh we we're going to be responsive to what's going on okay we're halfway there number five you might want to know about the role of the launch team um those of us called to join the launch team um really have uh, an important role to play in setting the tone and kind of forming the culture of the church. You see who, who we are as a launch team and what the launch team do and don't do 
will will be reproduced in those who join us and so the role of the launch team is really to model church uh, is to model what church is like uh, and that means we're modeling a number of different things uh, first of all we're modeling being friendly uh, that sounds profound doesn't it but helping others you know as others want to come and be part of what we're doing um, that largely will depend on how well as a team we embrace them and so the number one goal for the launch team is to be friendly um, you know we want to avoid setting up cliques uh, we need to be people who are willing to talk to new people uh, when they visit us um, you know going out to dinner with people going for meals and drinks and stuff like that learning to include others in the things that we do I remember when we planted Central Vineyard we always had this rule you know we we wanted to do things as a family of course we did but if the thing that we were doing as a family could include someone else, we would always invite someone to just come and be part of that. And, and so we're, we're looking forward to creating those kinds of environments where each of us can take responsibility at inviting people and, and being friendly, building relationship uh, and, and stuff like that. Um, the second thing that we model is worship. You know, in the vineyard, um, for those of you who are familiar with the vineyard, we have an understanding of worship that's rooted in intimacy and connection to God. And, 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 some, and as some people move towards us, uh, the fact is they might not have ever experienced that reality. You know, we had a guy in our service in Northampton this Sunday who's just like never set foot in church before and, you know, had no idea what was going on. And, and as that launch team, we get to model so that other people learn to do what we do, that, that there's an element to things that we do in church that are caught rather than taught. And not only do we model worship, but we all get, also get to model ministry. You know, some people, again, will come with different experiences and we believe you know, in the vineyard, we believe in everybody gets to minister, everybody gets to play. And so the, what we do when we pray, what we do when we prophesy, what we do when we encourage people, uh, you know, what we do when we do all these different things um, will help others grow and move in the same direction. And so, you know, th this is an opportunity as a launch team to really model what it means to healthily do ministry well. Um, as, as a launch team, we get to model servanthood, which in the context of Jesus's kingdom is really what leadership is about. Uh, and so we want people to understand that serving is an expected part of being involved. Now, initially, there's not going to be a lot to do. Um, you know, there's not going to be many rotors um, to start with. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> But serving wherever we can and wherever's helpful is really important. And as a launch team, there's an invitation to come and serve. Um, the launch team's role is to model what it means to be a disciple, the way we follow Jesus, the way we live out that reality of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing what Jesus did, the way we use our time, our energy, our money, the way we care for others. Uh, they're all ways that we model what it means to be a discipleship. 
Uh, the Lord's team role is to care for the poor. Uh, in the vineyard, we have this emphasis of compassion and meeting the needs of the poor and the disadvantaged. And, and you know, in these early stages, we recognize we won't have the resources to, to do a whole host of things, um, but we can partner with others. We can partner with others across the city and, and join in with what's happening and give ourselves and spend ourselves on behalf of the poor. The launch team uh, is there to model mission and, and outward focusedness. You know, ultimately we're planting a church because we believe it's the best way to reach people who do not know Jesus. And guess who that is? That's our friends, it's our family, it's our co-workers, it's our neighbors. And we believe planting a new community in a city is the best opportunity we have at reaching some of those people. And then finally, the launch team role is to be gatherers, um, actively looking for and seeking out new relationships with people not currently involved in church and inviting them to be involved, that this is an opportunity for us to gather people. You know, one of the things we when we were planning this event, I think we we said to a number of you who signed up, just let everyone know we don't care who they are you know just let everybody know and we want that culture of being invitational to be right at the heart of what we're doing is everyone okay <laughs> number six is you might want to understand the context um and by that i mean um a church plant is very a very different animal to perhaps an established church or a church that's up and running. What can we expect? Um, I guess you can expect it not to be like what you're expecting it to be. And the truth is, you will we will likely do things at some stage that cause you to think, well, we never did this back at Central Vineyard or we never did this back at my real church. Um, and if you are joining us from another vineyard, um, it will be different. Our vision may look a bit similar and it may have some family likeness, but we inevitably will express things in different ways. Uh, in these early days, we won't have the resources that perhaps some of us have been used to in other contexts. Uh, you, might, you, might, you may find yourself kind of like pining for the good old days when you went to a real church. Uh, you might get fed up of hearing us repeat some of the basics and some of the foundational things over and over again uh, because we, we want to include more and more people. And, and whatever size this church becomes, it's likely we will be much smaller than what you have been used to. Um, you may have expectations to be involved in a particular area of ministry, but in this new context, it may not be possible for you to be involved in that, or that area of ministry may never exist. And so as we attempt to understand the context we we have to manage our expectations 
Um, there's also going to be relational costs. Your so social circle, particularly if um, you, you were to end up relocating with us, your social circle initially could get smaller. Uh, uh, you might experience times of loneliness. Uh, for some, uh, being in a new geographical location means we probably won't know as many people. Uh, with the church being smaller, uh, there are less people to be friends with. Um, so look around the screen now, you might be stuck with some <laughs> of us. Um, um, moving geographically will separate you from old relationships that will inevitably move on without you. Uh, it will take time to build real supportive relationships where you find yourself. As the church grows and as people join us, and some of them may not be familiar with church or the vineyard, uh, some may be de-churched and have a bit of baggage, um, we, we will need as a launch team to embrace those people, embrace the people that the Lord brings to us, even if we don't immediately relate to them. And the truth is things may grow slower or they may grow faster uh, than we expect. And again, that will be, bring some relational impact. It will have a cost to it relationally. And then the other question is, what, what are people's relationship to me and Tammy? You know, being members of a launch team has some advantages and some disadvantages. Initially, with just a few of us, Tammy and I are going to be really accessible and present and, and probably leading in most contexts. Um, this will change quickly. And, you know, as we start to give more time to welcoming new people. And as we give more time to developing leaders, uh, wherever, wherever we are relationally now, that inevitably will change. And so as a launch team, we go from this phase where we are relationally tight and relationally connected, but eventually those relationships will, will change. And depending on where you are, and who you are, that will either be better or worse. Um, and, Usually better. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> and so as more people join us and access, uh, access to us as the leaders will change. Um, and, um, you know, we just have to be honest about that, that that's, that's a reality. Um, and and um, we, we only have a finite amount of capacity like the rest of us. Um, number seven, we're getting through these quicker, um, pioneer or homesteader. Some of us naturally fall into this camp, which is the camp of pioneer. And as a pioneer, uh, you are excited by new things. Um, you enjoy positive change and something like a church plant for a pioneer type uh, offer, offers the kind of the right kind of challenge and stimulation. Others amongst us are more like homesteaders and, uh, and we are happier when we, when we feel like things are predictable. Uh, we prefer a, a sense of stability. Often those, those of us with homesteader traits uh, are seen as dependable uh, people who are there for the long haul. 
And whilst most people don't fall, you know, solely fit into one category, we do probably tend to lean towards one or the other. And, and the truth is neither are better uh, than the other. Uh, if, if life was left to the pioneers, you might discover America, uh, but it's, but if you're without the homesteaders, you have no organization and no settlements. And, uh, and so over the long haul, we need both, both kinds of people. Yet these kind of beginning stages that we're entering into, uh, we do need, all need to be flexible and we all need to be open to change uh, because change is an inevitable part of this process. And, and so the truth is, if you are a pioneering type, and I don't know if you've ever worked out if you are, um, you will probably find the next year really easy. And the, the prices that we'll have to pay over this next year, you'll, you'll be comfortable with. Um, but we're going to need those homesteaders uh, to come behind us and help organize things uh, and make sure what we've started is sustainable. Um, and so we, we need both. And so you might think, oh, I'm probably a homesteader. I've already disqualified myself from being part of this. But you don't have to be uh, disqualified. Um, there's still a role and a part to, part to play. Okay, number eight, you might want to know something about leadership. Being in the launch team is not an automatic appointment to leadership in the future. Um, and, and someone who wasn't a leader in another context may well become a leader in this one. And likewise, someone who others look to for leadership in another context may not attract a following uh, here and, and simply um, you know if and, and likewise you know if we got to the stage where we were appointing people to work for the church uh, this would be true as well um, we, we those kind of appointments those kind of roles that will emerge in the future are going to be situational and so um, being in at the beginning is, is, is no way a linked to some future promise of appointment or position. Um, and, and so it's probably best not to have that expectation, or if you do, to realise from the outset that it may not be fulfilled. Um, moving on quickly, uh, number, number nine, you might want to know, you might have want to know what are the key questions you need to ask yourself if you are interested in joining this launch team um, these are three questions that you might want to ask um, you might want to write them down it says do i believe god has called me to join garden city that's a pretty important question um, the second question would be can i follow steve and tammy as my leaders stroke pastors we pretend to be pastors as my leaders and the third question would be, can I handle change? I think those three questions, they're fairly searching questions and important questions, because if we answer no to any of those, then the journey that we're about to go on may just be too difficult. And, um, and so I, I would encourage you, you know, 
as we kind of tout our wares and <laughs> talk about what we're up to, how, how can you answer those questions? How, how are those questions that you can say yes to? Uh, and if they are, then maybe God is stirring you and inviting you to be part of this team. And then number 10, uh, the last thing is, is what if this doesn't work out the way we hoped? Well, if you were to connect with us and as, as things move forward, you suddenly realise this isn't for me, then uh, there is no shame in moving back or moving on. Uh, you might you might think, well, if this doesn't work out, does it mean I didn't hear God? And I would say not necessarily. Um, you know, often God will use our experiences to form us into who he wants us to be. But nothing that we do in honest pursuit of God's will is ever wasted. He always uses it. Um, and some people may find or some people might be so pioneering uh, by nature that the moment we become more organized and more established, they, they might think they need to move on. They, they, and, 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 that, and that's okay too. You know, there are, there's, there's value in us having people who may just be part of this team for a season. Um, sometimes they're referred to as scaffolding, but I think that's a bit crude, calling people scaffolding. But, um, <laughs> but some people may be just here for a season be, to be scaffolding, to help us get this thing off the ground. And then for whatever reason, they, they move on. That doesn't mean to say there's anything wrong with the church or anything wrong with them. Um, you know, we'll only shun them in private. We won't, we won't <laughs> talk about them in public. But... Um, <laughs> I jest um, but what I guess what I'm saying is is that um, if we're gonna if if someone's gonna come and be part of this um, it's it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of time energy and effort uh, and it's gonna take a lot out of us in this next year to see this church get off the ground but that would be the same if you were starting anything, you know, if you were starting a business, if you were opening a shop or whatever it might be, um, you would give 300% to make sure it got off the ground. And, and, and it kind of feels like when you're church planting that you live a little bit unsustainably for a short period of time in order to see something get off the ground. And so, there, they are 10 things that we thought you should know uh, from us tonight. Um, Dale, I don't know if you've got any questions, uh, but if not, we are happy for you to unmute. Um, uh, we can stop recording as well, if you like. <laughs>